So whenever old Sporty from Rio Dosa asked me to preach, I always wonder why. Is it because he needs a break because you guys are so mean to him? Perhaps. Is he parading me in front of the congregation as the eye candy of this church? More likely. And then it hit me. I walked into Bible class this morning, a class that's taught by Chad Warner usually, and there is Scott Stumbo teaching. So today is officially the B-team day at Kerrville Church of Christ. Actually, I know exactly why I'm up here today. He called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I, I need you to preach, so I need you to share a message, but I also need you to talk about Arms of Hope. And I need you to do it in the same amount of time as a normal sermon. I was like, great, I appreciate that. So it's always an honor to get up here and share God's Word. And I'll just be honest with you, when I was in my 20s, um, I thought it was cool when I was asked to preach. I probably didn't put enough thought into it. I reached into my bag of tricks as a youth minister at the time, and I'd come up with cool stories, but, but I didn't take it as seriously as I probably should have, but yet God still used that. In my 30s, the pendulum swung the other way. I went through this time of extreme guilt. I really did. When I was asked to preach, I would go into this deep prayer time, and I was like, Lord, what? no, 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 no. I have done so many things, and, and who am I to get up here? But, but yet God still used me. When I get to my 50s, when I'm really old, where's Cassius? Where's Clay at? When I'm in my 50s and I'm really old, maybe I'll just be happy to be up here because I'll feel like you think I'm still relevant. But for now in my 40s, I just want to tell you, I consider this a beautiful privilege, honor, and I say this in a great way, a, a wonderful burden to be up here. Anytime we get to open God's book and share, it is a wonderful thing. And for two weeks now, God has just been pouring things onto my heart to share. The only issue I have, he does that in the weirdest places, doesn't he? When I'm in the shower, he's like, oh, don't forget to say this and this and this. Or when I'm driving on the road, texting while driving, try writing sermon notes while driving. And so for the last two weeks, even this morning as we were coming, just notes after notes after notes. So bear with me. Also a disclaimer. I'm going to talk about some things that I hope are challenging to you. I am sure, like myself, you're doing a lot of things really well. And like myself, I'm sure you're doing some things you would like improvement on. Amen? Can we all agree we all fall short of the glory? Amen. Right? And that's what this is about. Okay? Another disclaimer. I don't know if it's because I'm a third born. I'm not a Paul fan. I'm trying to get better. I'm married to a firstborn. But firstborns just, they're harsh. Y'all are mean sometimes. Paul had to have been a firstborn. And so Paul's words we're going to look at a little differently that I hope for you guys out there that aren't firstborns, you'll go, all right, that makes a little more sense. The same thing about when I talk about Arms of Hope. I beg for you to realize that my heart goes out to all ministries. As someone who was blessed to be a foreign missionary for a couple of years, as someone who was blessed to be in youth ministry, as someone who has one of his dearest friends run another nonprofit in this area, my heart goes to all ministries. But my job today, and I hope I've built enough relationship equity with you, is that I want to talk about Arms of Hope and what God's doing there. Is that okay? Okay. You know this is serious business because I have this Bible with me. This is the Bible my mom gave me 15 years ago for Christmas. Now, I come up here with different Bibles. One was my grandmother's. Thelma, on my, father, my father's mother. And sometimes I bring the message, but for today, I brought this one, Mom. So this ain't playtime, is it? This ain't no quilting bee, is it? Okay, so we're going to get into some heady, deep stuff. And before that, let's lighten it with a joke. Y'all cool with that? 
We're going to go joke. We're going to pray. We're going to jump into scripture. We're going to talk about arms of hope. We're going to get out of here and eat a mamacitas. Here we go. All right. So there was this boat. And there was this donut. Bonnie, why are you putting your hands over your face? And this donut goes up to the captain of the boat. He goes, can I drive? And the captain goes, no, you stupid donut. You're just a donut. No, you can't drive. Get away from me. And the donut goes, okay. He rolls away. Donut comes back five minutes later. Can I drive? And the captain goes, donut? No, you can't drive. You're not even a cool donut. You don't have chocolate or sprinkles. You're just a goofy, glazed little donut. Go away. If you come back again, I'm going to throw you over the side. And the donut goes, okay. Goes away. Rolls back up, says, Captain, can I drive? And the captain takes him and chunks him overboard. <laughs> All right, let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we thank you so much for laughter. We thank you for trust. We thank you for a great day where we're going to talk about Scripture. We're going to break it apart. We're going to look at it personally in our lives. We're going to look at it as a church, and we're going to look at it on a ministry that your hand has been involved in way before I was around. And, Lord, we pray is involved way after I leave, and that's Arms of Hope. Father, we love you. We lift you up. We grieve together as a family. We laugh together as a family. We celebrate, and, Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, 12 through 20. And let me encourage you, and I know, I know old Sporty would do the same thing. Read this yourself when you get home, all right? Sportsman obviously has a lot more educational background than I do, but, but let me tell you what, what, what I did with this that you can do. Number one, read the whole letter, all right? This isn't Genesis. We'll take, read the whole letter. It's about a 15-minute read. That's number one. Number two, I always like to read them in a couple of different versions. I read them in the King James, the NIV, the Message, American Living Standard. I kind of just read them in different versions to get a good, solid, diverse take on it. Number three, find some commentaries. Gone are the days where you have to spend $1,000 and have Woodard's commentary in your library. I still have that one. Woodard's a good one. But now you can go and you can find some good commentaries online where you can read these scriptures and dissect them themselves. But I'm going to share with you what I found in these. So what I do when I look at scripture like this is I look at three things. I look at why, why it was written, what was written, and then how do we apply it to our lives. So when I look at why, and this is where I'm going to give Paul a little bit of a break. The same Paul who says, no one suffered like I have. That firstborn stuff, see? The same Paul who says, you need to live life like this. Right? The same Paul who did that is the Paul in Ephesians who had been living with them for three years. Three years. This wasn't a one Sunday a month. We see each other and we're family and community. And bye, see you next month. They lived together. They broke bread together. They were brothers and sisters so for three years, he has this relationship equity built with them. He loves them. And because of that love, he's going to challenge them, which I wish I had more of that in me. But because of that love, he's going to challenge them. So number one, he has relationship equity. He's not sending a letter to strangers. He's sending a letter to family. Number two, he's in prison. Okay? And this isn't a minimum security prison. That's a country club. What do you think prisons were like back then? So he's writing this prayer to uplift them while he is in prison. And number three, the church in Ephesus was a multicultural church. Oh, that didn't apply to us today though, right? It's a multicultural church. You have Jewish, Hellenistic, Gentile. They have diverse traditions, and they have diverse backgrounds. So that's why he's writing them this letter. And what is he writing to them? Well, if you look at the whole letter of Ephesians, the central themes are hostility, division, self-interest, together, unity, 
We are made alive together. We're raised up together. We're one body. We're one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. A central theme is because of Christ's sacrifice and death, life each day is lived out on earth where every day is an opportunity for the believer to show others the love of Christ. Ephesians 5.21, most commentary says, is it puts it all in a nutshell, we are to submit to each other out of respect for Christ. So what Paul's doing here in this prayer is he's asking them to change their way of thinking. He's asking them to change their lenses that they look through as they confront trials and tribulations in their life. You see, after this prayer is over, because a lot of people use this prayer and specifically that verse about God can do more than you can ask or imagine, the same way we use the one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is fine, hear my heart, but, but sometimes we use that as just a rah-rah encouraging type deal, right? Well, I can, I'm going to dunk a basketball. Troy, you ain't ever going to dunk a basketball. Okay, you can pray that prayer all day long, you ain't ever going to dunk a basketball. And we use this as this rah-rah inspirational deal when if you read the whole context of it, it's really about hardships in your life and everyday struggles. Because after this prayer where he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, he then goes into, y'all are struggling with unwholesome talk. Y'all are struggling with sexual immorality. You're struggling with greed and drunkenness. He goes into wives, the way you treat your husbands, and husbands, the way you treat your wives. Children, the way you treat your parents. Slaves, the way you treat your owners. Owners, the, I mean, it is deep stuff. And so to get to that point where we can live our day to the fullest and look through things through Christ's eyes instead of our own, we have to believe this prayer. So let's reread it, okay? Let's reread it knowing that Paul cares deeply about these people, they're his family, that he's in prison when he wrote it, that he's writing to a multicultural church with many different backgrounds, and then let's read it realizing that the rest of Ephesians is really this idea of unity, togetherness, and all of our self-interests in this world mean what? Nothing. Now let's read it. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, he's in prison, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, not just Jews, but Gentiles too, his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Not our own, but through his. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ for you. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled in the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, in him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a much different take on it when you read it in the proper context, isn't it? When you know the why and the what we're talking about. And once again... And it's not just because of people I love in my life, like my brother or my wife or my mom, all these firstborn people. I am learning to love Paul because you know what? Paul says it like it is. Amen? He says it like it is. Okay, so what are we trying to learn from this? Well, you know, I said earlier that the news we got can come into this. When, when, when something happens, when someone is going through a really hard sickness or, or when we're grieving over the death, everything's put in perspective, isn't it? All of a sudden, magically, some things that we thought were important aren't really that important anymore. I, I went to a funeral last month of a board member's son who passed away. Um, he was 45 years old. He passed away from a, from a cancer that was no fault of his own. 
by any way, stretch, or form. He just about 10 months ago said, I don't feel good, I'm losing weight, and then within 10 months he was gone. And at his funeral, they read these words. Wife, two kids, successful business, and he passed away at 45. These are his words. I wish my clarity was transferable. There's a blessing that comes with knowing death is on the way. It's easy, easy to be honest with God and with myself. Choices are binary and easy now. I know what's right and what is wrong without much hesitation. I'm actually more content in my life than I've ever been. As he knew about 30 to 60 days later he was going to pass away. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? That type of clarity. Or every time I've been with someone who has been in this situation or someone who has a loved one passed and you're grieving and you're sad, but all of a sudden things that you thought mattered five days ago, they don't really matter that much anymore, do they? And I think that's what Paul is trying to say here. Don't waste a day. Fill it with his power. Jesus' power, not your own. Don't, don't fill it when you have trials and tribulations in life. Don't fill it with emotions. Emotions are good. But don't fill it with emotions. Don't fill it with negativity or when something goes wrong with blame on others. Don't fill it with substances. Don't fill it with anything that's temporary. Look at it through Christ lenses. C.S. Lewis, my favorite author, Screwtape Letters. It's all about two demons talking to each other. Don't freak out. It's good stuff. And they're talking about how do we get Christians away from God. And they talked about war. And one demon says to the other, oh, man, I dig war because, you know, all this death and suffering. And the other one goes, you are sadly mistaken. War causes people to put on Christ lenses and realize that their life isn't going to last forever. And people turn towards him. I actually, this is the demon talking, I actually like it when people live long and then they go to the doctors and they go nursing home and they try to prolong as long as they can because it takes their focus away. It's deep stuff. Anything we have, we need to look at through Christ lenses. Okay, I'm going to switch gears. Before I get into the how that applies to us today, we went into the why and the what. I want to talk about Arms of Hope. And the reason I chose this scripture is that is what I've seen in Arms of Hope and before Arms of Hope, Medina Children's Home, Bowles Children's Home up in Quinlan. I've seen people that have lived out these verses. And so in 1958, 14 years before I was even born and became mom's favorite child, Medina Children's Home started. And it started between a partnership between a rancher, a rotary club, a school district, and a church. Do y'all know what church? This one. How many of y'all knew that? Don't lie. Don't try to look cool and... Re- this church, some of you did know that. So in 1958, a group of people got together and said, we are going to look at things through Christ lenses, and we're going to do more than we immeasurably thought or imagined. And you know what they started with? Three. A set of triplets. Three in 1958. Since that time, other people came along and said, you know what? It's awesome that we're helping kids and we have these cottages, but we just think there's a need out there for these amazing, wonderful, incredible fighters and survivors that are single moms in our community. And someone said, you know what? Let's pump some money. Let's start this together program. That was a dream. And someone started saying, let's look at things through Christ's lens. Let's look at things in a different way of thinking. A college and career program. So back in 2006, 7th, 8-ish, somewhere in that area, it was looked at and said, you know what, kiddos that come from, quote, normal two-parent households that go off to college have a 60% success rate. Kiddos that leave Medina Children's Home and go off to college have a 10% success rate. We need to look at things through different lenses. And so a college and career program was started. Where it said, let's keep them on campus, let's work with them, give them more freedoms, but have some accountability, keep the case management rolling, keep some counseling going, have them still come to church, because we think that's good for them. And now let's see the success rate. And boy, has God done some great things with that. We have had bachelor's degrees because of that program. We've had kiddos now that have gone off and graduated law school because of that program, because someone 
believed this prayer, and made choices. And you know how all that got started? This is really cool. There's a little town, little town, football state champs 2011, Wimberley, Texas, that at the Church of Christ in Wimberley, Texas, an employee of Medina Children's Home went and spoke on a Wednesday night and said, here's some things we're working on, dreaming about, imagining. And a couple in the crowd said, we want to join this journey with you. And through that and their incredible generosity, we have a beautiful college and career building on the Medina campus. And the fruit from that is incredible. All because people started looking at things through Christ's lenses. Back in 2009, a couple of significant things happened. Number one, you ready for this? We're in the year 2019, right? 2009, started going to church here. Can y'all believe it's been 10 years? 10 years. 10 years. I went and looked back, and at the time, if everyone showed up 10 years ago, everyone wasn't sick, house parent, everyone showed up that could show up on a Sunday, no one was off somewhere else, 120. 120 10 years ago. You know what that number is today? 165. From babies on up, 165. Not a mathematician, but that's more. Well, 120. That's some good stuff going on. And then we're, we're continuing to dream. Okay? We, we realize there's some gaps that we feel could help our kiddos and our, and our single moms. And so we started this amazing health and wellness program because we want that looked at through Christ lenses on food and nutrition and, and exercise and, and to quit some addictive behaviors. We want that looked at through the lenses of Christ and it's taking off. This summer, residents from Arms of Hope are going to Brazil to do mission work. Mission work. These kids and these moms are capable of anything. Anything. And we're taking 24 to Brazil. It is amazing to me the way God has worked out there. A lot of people think that all Arms of Hope is, is the Medina campus. And actually, the other significant thing that happened in 2009 is there's a sister home in Quinlan, Texas called Bowles Children's Home. Some of you are probably familiar with it. If you've grown up in the church, etc., you're probably familiar with it. Bowles Children's Home started in 1924. At one point, it had 300 children in its care, all orphans, true orphans. Mom and dad had died because of the war, etc., and so forth. 300. A long, rich, outstanding history. But in 2009, that children's home was struggling. It's just the truth, it was. Could God have have miraculously come in and provide, of course he could have, but when you looked at some of the finances, etc., it just looked like they were in some trouble. So in 2009, territories were pushed aside. Um, the idea of, well, what's this going to do to budgets was pushed aside, and it was decided for what's best for the kingdom of God, we're going to merge them together. That's kingdom thinking right there. So we have Medina campus here, with all of the residents on the Bowles campus, we have another 110 residents. And then through the years, we've started family outreach centers in San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, and Denton. So every year, every year, Arms of Hope is blessed to be the hands and feet of Jesus to over 1,000 people in the state of Texas. 1,000. It's an organization that runs straight from the generosity of the body of Christ. It's an organization that runs from church bodies that give us 9% of our funding throughout the state. Private foundations, 18%. Our thrift donations, 28%. Individuals and businesses, 38%. Wills and estates, another 3 to 4%. I'm missing a big piece of that. And once again, let me humbly and respectfully say for us, we pride ourselves on every year going straight to the body of Christ to raise our funding. That's something you dig? We like that too. It's an organization where last year we had five high school graduates. We had 24 received GEDs or other educational certificates. We had seven bachelor's degrees 
and a law degree. And once again, all that is looked through the lenses of Christ. We don't want our kids in the college and career program, and we don't want our single moms on the Medina campus or Bowles campus to get their bachelor's degrees because we want them to have more money so they can buy more things. That's not why we're doing it. We are telling them that Christ loves them so much that he wants what's best for them and that they are capable of doing more than they could have ever imagined. And that's why we want them to do that. But I'm going to shut up for a minute, and I want to introduce you to someone. And so, Alyssa, can you come up here, please? Y'all better clap for this girl as she comes up. Hello. Hi. You can say hi. This is sweet Alyssa. Her kiddos are Aaron, Martha, and Legion. And uh, Alyssa has granted me permission to share her story with y'all. Okay? You ready? Yes. Okay. All right, here we go. My life before Arms of Hope was like a roller coaster. I was homeless, had been abused physically and emotionally. In May of 2016, I finally left my kid's father and walked into a women's shelter in Seguin. It was there that they told me about this amazing place called Arms of Hope. I couldn't believe it when they told me that Arms of Hope would provide my family with our own home, on-site daycare, and counseling while helping me go back to school. After eight months at Arms of Hope, I made a horrible decision to leave the program. I made many mistakes, and my life became worse than it had ever been. I ended up back at the women's shelter. I reapplied to Arms of Hope, and after much discussion, my Arms of Hope caseworker and counselor worked tirelessly to get me in. This time, I wouldn't lose this incredible opportunity to save my family. Arms of Hope mercifully gave us a second chance, and I've been at Arms of Hope now for a year and a half. A year and a half. Counseling is one of the biggest things that I'm grateful for. Whenever I feel lost or ready to give up, my counselor helps me get through my struggles. Since being at Arms of Hope, I have attained my GED, my driver's license, and have taken care of the legal issues that were plaguing my life. The most amazing blessing is that I accepted Jesus as my Savior and was baptized. That was a cool day. That was a cool day. There was a lake, and I don't know, Bonnie was there doing something. I don't remember exactly. She was in... She was in the water with you or something like that. I don't know. She didn't get any props or anything. My dream is to make a difference in society by going to school to pursue a master's degree in social work and become a social worker. This is a dream I could have never imagined without arms of hope. And now my children will have a better life. I'm so grateful, and they gave me a second chance. And then I asked for her to honestly say, how does she feel about you guys, this place? I love going to Kerrville Church of Christ because how welcome I feel how welcome I feel, the classes are great, and my children are actually excited about going to church. So, currently... On any given Sunday, you got about 36 to 38 Alyssas that you can love on. Let me repeat that. On any given Sunday, you got about 36 to 38 Alyssa and their children that you can love on. Through the, I went back and looked. Through the time we have been at KCC, okay, 288 single mother families have at one time or another sat in these seats. What an amazing opportunity. And then residential care where we have these incredible kiddos that are, that are from elementary school through high school that have an opportunity to hear about the love of Jesus Christ while sitting in these seats. Sometimes it's seeds that are planted. Sometimes it's halfway through the journey. Sometimes it's in the journey where baptism occurs. There were many baptisms before the merger at Bowles and Medina through the years, and I pray there'll be many more afterwards. But the ones that I have been keeping is when the merger occurred in 2009. And since 2009, 
there have been 272 baptisms at Arms of Hope. With another 14 employees and employees' kiddos. God is truly at work because of people that believe this prayer. One more thing about Arms of Hope. And then I'm going to tell you a little something about me and we're going to wrap this thing up. Every chance we get at Arms of Hope to enhance or expand, we do it. I told you the numbers. So anytime kingdom money pours in, we pour back out to take care of kingdom business. We don't sit on it. We don't go around and give out bonuses. We expand the kingdom of God. Because we feel like you would want that with your generosity. So as we're sitting here today and we've helped a thousand last year, join me in prayer that next year we'll take some big risks and we'll help two thousand. If you like just the thousand, thank you, I appreciate it. If you like the idea of going to two thousand, let's talk. Now personally, because you need to hear this straight from the horse's mouth. I have had to personally change my way of thinking as I have worked at Arms of Hope. When I first started and I was blessed to be hired, most days I'm very thankful for the person that brought me here who will rename, rename, remain nameless, Randy. And then there's some days I wish I was back in Auckland, New Zealand. But for the most part, I'm glad I'm here. But literally... The day we got off the plane, our life changed at Arms of Hope, where I went from being told I was going to be a development officer and we bought a house in Wimberley and we were going to stay there to, hey, it just is the feeling that it would be better to switch your job and for you to be the campus minister on the Medina campus. Oh, man, that was tough. My wife was, um, Bonnie was seven and a half, eight months pregnant with Joshua. We had bought a house. Hey, Joshua. Look at him. Um... And it was told to me, okay, well, you can live in your house in Wimberley. Well, duh, we just bought it. But you're going to have to drive every Monday morning. You're going to get up early. You're going to leave your family, and you'll come back to them every Wednesday night. Wow. I remember specifically where we were at, Bon, in our bedroom, through a lot of tears when we go, what are we going to do? And, boy, it was really close to saying we're going to go do something else. But both of us just felt like this ministry was so unbelievably incredible. And Bonnie said, let's do it. And for the past nine years, every Monday morning I've woken up and every Wednesday night I've come home. Because of nothing we did, but because of kingdom thinking, because of this new lenses. When I was blessed to move up to CEO six years ago, I'll never forget a comment someone said to me, semi-joking, semi-cruddy. Is cruddy a word? Allison, I wanted to say crappy, but Bonnie said not to because you wouldn't think that was good. So uh, I'm not going to say crappy. I'm going to say cruddy. So, it, so six years ago, th this person said to me, oh, you, you became CEO. And I was like, yeah. And they go, man, you'll be lucky if you make it a year. I was like, wow, thanks. That's great. <laughs> but with that, with that, I always like to self-evaluate, and, and I did realize I needed to change my way of thinking a little bit. Because you see, when I first came out to Arms of Hope, as, as a campus minister, there were 22 single moms at that time. And I'll never forget, I went in for my first devotional. I've shared the story with some of y'all. It's a true story. Went in with my first devotional, and I gave this fluffed-up devotional with, with skittles and rainbows and all this. And when it was over, all the moms walked out. And I was like, where are they going? This is where they come tell me how awesome I am in their life. And one mom started coming towards me, and I was like, oh, here it is. Here's where I'm going to get my praise. And she reached her hand out, and she goes, if you don't change the way you do this, you won't last two weeks out here. True story. And she was right because you guys crave honesty and people that are genuine. You ain't got time for the nonsense, do you? Okay? So I had to reevaluate and change my way of thinking. And I had to do it when I became CEO as well to realize we want to think big. We want to look at everything through the lenses of Christ. 
So I'm just telling you as someone who is far from perfect, who stinks and messes up, my heart as the leader of Arms of Hope is to look at everything through the lenses of Christ. I hope that appeals to you. Let me just read this to you real quick. We're almost done. My board chairman, Jerry Cox, who is one of the um, heroes in my life. I, I truly love that man. He, is, he has done some amazing things. And um, he has always challenged me. And he said, when I became CEO, I want to know what your vision is. I want to know how you feel about things. I want you to pray about it. I want you to come up with something. I want you to bring it back to me. So six years ago, just so you know, this is what I brought back to him. And I hope it makes you feel good about Arms of Hope. I brought back to Jerry, first of all, because I'm a government history nerd, a quote from a president. It is not the critic who counts. I wrote this six years ago. Where were we at, Bon? Port Aransas? We were in Port Aransas. Six years ago. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. Teddy Roosevelt. And then I wrote six years ago, my vision for Arms of Hope is to differentiate ourselves from the industry norm by entering into the arena for our residents, employees, and donors slash volunteers. We want to be smart and good stewards, but not safe. We want to be content, but never complacent. We want to be known statewide as a child and family service organization that humbly but confidently stands above the rest. We want to respect and listen to all, but be held hostage by nobody. That, as long as I'm in this seat, will be the vision of Arms of Hope. All right, so what does all this mean? What does it mean to you individually in your walk with Christ? What does it mean to you as, as, as I'm up here saying, thank you so much for what this church does to Ar for Arms of Hope. Thank you to the children's ministry and anyone who volunteers in that. Wait, what do we call Oh, my gosh. That, that messy, crazy, beautiful, unbelievably important ministry. Thank you to Debbie Giles, although she's not here anymore, for all the work that she did out at Arms of Hope, to, to Shelly Dixon, to the people that come out and lead the Beth Moore study, to Hosanna Lutheran Church in Kerrville a week before Thanksgiving for calling us and saying, we're looking at things through Christ's eyes and, and we're just feeling for your residents that are on campus for Thanksgiving and we want to come out and serve and bless them. Thank you to them. Thank you for all you do for the giving tree in the lobby. But can I humbly tell you there's always more to be done. Can I humbly say to you to please look at our organization through the lenses of Christ and realize we are dreaming big and to dream big means that we need you. We are dreaming big and realizing that all of our moms at Bowles and Medina and all of our kids are so happy that um, they get to live in um, a place that has hot water and air conditioning and a heater and uh, windows and doors and four walls. But when we look at some of those buildings, we realize some of them were 50 years old, built by the wonderful imagination and generosity of people 50 years ago, but it's white linoleum and wall paneling. What do you think that looks like after 50 years? Victor, what do you think that looks like after 50 years? What do you think the plumbing is like and the electricity is like, okay? So about a year and a half ago, we got together and, and started an initiative that said we want to make a house a home. And we want to go around and we want to talk to private foundations and we want to talk to donors and we want to raise $2 million. 
And part of that is expanding, which, praise God, we opened a new Aplex last year, which brought more moms and kiddos to you guys. And we're also going to go in and remodel. Some of the moms over here are blessed living in places that have been remodeled. Some of you are like, hurry your butt up and get into ours and remodel ours. Right? But we're dreaming big. Of that $2 million, we've raised 1.2. That's a great start. Someone cut us a check today for 800. Okay? We need men of this church to come out. We... No one, you're going to be shocked by this, we have a single mother program. What's missing there? Hey! Okay, come out, take the kids fishing, play basketball with them, do things like that. We need another Debbie Giles to champion this thing and come out and, and cook casseroles for our cottages and do things like that. The, the possibilities are endless. I know it's Mount Everest. The hill on 16. Right? Come on. Y'all know what? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I say, oh, man, I don't know if I can make it over that hill in my video. You can make it over the hill. <laughs> Troy's Honda Accord with four cylinders and 200,000 miles makes it over that hill. Okay? Come on. Come visit campus. You will, just come. You will get to see the fact that all of us are standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before us. You hear me? Way before my time. Men and women that did amazing things out there, and we're just getting to benefit from all of their labor and their blood, sweat, and tears. Come be a part of that. If anything, come out, enjoy the drive, go eat some lunch at the Apple Place, and, and, and then go home. But come see it. Pray about it. Determine if you want to be a part of it. We have a table out there. We have magazines. We have Alyssa's story in one of these little spotlights, as well as Andrew Ayalo. Andrew, are you here? Andrew's not here. Andrew's a senior in our program. His story is in there as well. This is all I'm asking you to do as you leave today. Pick up a magazine about Arms of Hope. Pick up one of those end-of-the-year spotlights. There's no sign-up sheet there because I don't want you signing up. I want you picking those things up. I want you going home and praying about it. And then, if you want to do ministry through the eyes of this scripture, then give me a call. If not, no worries. I love you anyway. But if you want to do scripture, if you want to do ministry through this scripture, then give me a call. Okay. Now for us personally, here we go. We talked about this scripture and we talked about why and how, why and what, now how. Okay, listen to me. How? How do we practically put this scripture in our daily walk? All right, number, number one, quickly. Do you believe it to begin with? If you're a non-believer in the crowd, we're so happy you're here. Christ's love for you is perfect. Ours messes up. If you have ever felt not welcomed or you have felt let down by someone who is a Christ follower, we are so sorry. We are so sorry about that, but that happens because we're imperfect. Christ's love is not, and we're just happy you're here today. But if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have been baptized, and you read the script, do you believe it? Do you believe that Christ can do immeasurably more than you can, than you can imagine? When, when your business is doing well and when it's failing, when your relationship is, is, is at an all-time high or an all-time low, anything in your life, do you believe this? That's number one. Number two, you've got to evaluate the good and the bad. What areas are you looking at things through Christ's lenses? What areas of, of your life have you made that directional shift, that change of thing? And you're doing well, continue to do it well. On the areas that are bad, work on them. And I know you're like, well, that's simple. Yeah, it is. And no one's going to come grade you or test you. I'm not going to walk into your bedroom at night and go, did you do that today? Write it down. What are you doing well? What are you not doing well? And number three, you've got to choose. Once you evaluate, you've got to choose. Last Monday, I had two of these things. I, when I evaluate, there's a couple of, many, many more, but a couple that come to mind. Number one, I, I've realized I've fallen back on studying the Bible with a group of men. Okay, I've realized that. I've fallen back on that. That's one. So I have not looked at my time through these Christ lenses. I've filled my time with other things. I need to study the Bible with a group of men. Number two, okay, you ready? I, I think I'm pretty good about not firing the first shot, but when a shot's fired at me, I'm really not good at showing the love of Christ. I'm really, I'm just confessing that to you. I'm really not. If someone fires a pistol at me, I sometimes fire back with a cannon. Okay, I just do. And so that's an area I know I need, to, I need to work on. I need to chill. I need to work on. I need to pray. So Monday comes, 
And Monday, I get invited to go to this men's Bible study that night. And I'm like, awesome. My first thought was, I've got basketball practice for Titus. I've got basketball practice for Joshua. The next morning at work, I got this, this, and this. The Bible study starts at some ungodly young person hour of 8.30. It's not going to be done until 9.30. I got to drive over Mount Everest to get home. And so I started talking myself out of it, but then I decided, no, I'm going to go. Okay, I'm going to go because I want, I want to believe and evaluate and choose to follow this prayer. So good, yay, that's a win, right? Aren't y'all proud of me? Okay, then part two, the second thing I struggle with. Before I go to that Bible study, we go to Mama Cetus. Me, Bonnie, and all four kids. And I really love my children. I re- they're the best kids in the world. Six out of seven are just amazing. <laughs> are just amazing kids. But the little ones, the four little ones, whoo. So before basketball practice that night, I'm going to the Bible study. I'm going into Mama Cetus to eat dinner. I'm happy because I'm eating at Mama Cetus. I'm happy because my wife's with me, my four kids. No one's sick. No one has the flu. We're walking in, and, man, I'm happy. And, and, and we go to sit down at 4.30, and at the table right next to us, there's an older couple. And as I go to sit with my four beautiful babies, he looks up and looks at his wife and doesn't turn his head where I can't see and says, oh, great, children. (laughs) I did not look at things through the lenses of Christ. At that point, as words were exchanged, and we got up and moved to a different table. And, 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 you know... Perhaps at that point, we confrontation in a Christ-like way. You know, eh, I didn't handle it correctly. I was going to be honest. I did not handle it correctly. So for that day, I had two choices. I made a good one. I made a bad one. You have your own. And then the last one is if you're like, Troy, I believe this prayer. I look at things through Christ's lenses. I've evaluated. I, I've chosen, and then I mess up again. And I will say to you, rinse and repeat. Welcome to all of our lives, right? Rinse and repeat. That's the key to life. That's what Paul's saying here. Keep working on it. Keep trying. Keep moving forward. Keep doing it. The worst thing you can do is give up hope and quit. If you have tried a million times to do something, like, I don't know, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to reach high, I don't know, hypothetically lose weight. The worst thing you can do is lose hope. Keep trying. Keep moving forward. If you struggle with negativity, keep trying. Keep moving forward. Reread this prayer. Reevaluate. Rechoose. It is a way of life. It's a total different way of looking at things. Okay? Uh, finally, one quick story. Then we're done, I swear. Okay, real quick. So I saw, I don't know if it was um, Yahoo or Fox News or something, but I saw this amazing story the other day. I'm going to mess it up, but you'll get the gist of it. So there was this um, couple, and they were celebrating their 10th year anniversary. Okay, and so they went on a cruise. And so it left from uh, Miami, I think, and their first stop was Nassau. It's close to Miami. I don't know. Anyway, so they stop in Nassau, and they're on the the balcony of their room. And um, he goes to give her a gift, and, and it's a pearl ring. All right, a beautiful, expensive is what the news report said, expensive pearl ring. And so as he's giving it to her, et cetera, you know, fumble, blue. Goes overboard. Oh, she's devastated. He's devastated. The ship is pulling out. Just done deal, right? Okay. So, I can't remember if it was 10 days, 14 days, whatever. They do all this cruising. So they go back and forth, and they go back to Nassau, all right? And when the ship docks in Nassau, they always replenish all their stuff, right? Food, drink, et cetera, so forth. They replenish it. So that night at dinner, they're sitting there, and she orders oysters, Okay, and she opens an oyster, it's the donut. (laughs) Did y'all really think that I was that lame to tell that stupid of a joke without something better at the end? So I pray. Uh, you might think I'm silly, but I'm a big word association guy. I, and it'll help you with your, with your eating, too. Maybe you'll stay away from donuts. Every time you touch a donut 
or eat a donut or look at a donut. I hope you think about a different way of thinking. That is not a normal joke. That's a very different style of joke. Paul is calling us to a very different style of life. Paul is saying, don't fill it anymore with temporary things. Don't fill it with the things that don't work, that just give you a little bit of relief. And then when that substance wears off, or, or, or that blame wears off, or that negativity wears off, or anything you fill it with that's not Christ, and then you're in a worse position than you were to begin with. Change your way of thinking and look at everything through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Thank you guys for letting me get up and talk and share with you about Arms of Hope. It truly is an amazing ministry, not because of anyone that works there, including our amazing CFO, Scott Stumbo, who would love to talk to you. Any questions you have, Scott, correct? Okay. Any questions you have about anything to do financially with Arms of Hope, he'll fill your ear. But it has nothing to do with us, and it really has nothing to do with the residents. Arms of Hope is what it is today because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for these scriptures. Thank you for um, just the chance to get up here and share. Lord, I am so thankful for all the ministries that this church supports. Um, I'm thankful for the way that they are reaching out to the entire community of Kerrville, the state of Texas, and on the foreign mission field. I'm thankful for the ministries that occur inside these walls. Father, I'm thankful for times that we can come together as community and family, times where we can laugh together, when we can grieve together. But, Father, through it all, I pray that all of us, like Paul, will challenge each other to look at things through the lenses of Christ's love for us, this new way of thinking. And I pray that every day we will remember it and we will implement Father, if there's anyone out there right now, Father, who have not making that decision to follow you, Lord, whether it be right now or tonight or tomorrow, I pray that they will think about that and they will act upon it. And Father, for those of us that are already blessed to be your sons and daughters, Father, I pray that we will take advantage every day to submit to each other and show the love of Christ to everyone we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.